0: Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. Well, I want to continue our series on I didn't know. You know, what you don't know can't help you and I want us to just take a just take a maybe a just a brief question and just ask yourself what's the first thing that you do in the morning what what is the first thing that uh, captures your attention in the morning do you do you check your phone do you look at your notifications do you check the news or if if you're anything like me you've noticed that technology has slowly been invading all of your waking hours from the first moments of consciousness information and technology seems to be Setting the pace and the atmosphere of our day. And rather than starting from a place of peace or a place of, of purpose, we almost end up finding ourselves reacting right from the very start of the day, reacting to maybe it's to news or maybe it's to a message that came overnight or an email that came overnight. This that that there's this invasion of noise that seems to be influencing our emotions and affecting our actions and our rela- and our relationships right from the start of the day. And and I think there's a, there's, a, there's a proverb that actually addresses this quite well. It's Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 8. And it says, the wise man gives thought to his ways. And you know, it's so often we can go through life, the busier we get, the less thought we actually give to the way that we're living life, to, the, to what we're doing. It, it turns into this We're struggling to just keep up with the busyness that's in front of us right now. But the wise man or the wise woman gives thought to their ways, not just actions, not just thought to their intentions, but the thought to the ways that they're journeying through life, thoughts to the ways that they're handling what's coming at them in life, thoughts to the rhythms and the routines of our life, not the what we are doing, but the how that we are being and, uh, you know, in the last few weeks, the, the pace and routines of life for many have changed. And I, I realize that for many, the routines have not changed. In fact, in talking to some people, the, the pace has actually increased because they have, to, they have to pull up the slack for maybe some people who aren't there or people who, who can't be there. But regardless of the pace, regardless of whether your pace has slowed down in recent days or whether it's sped up in, in, in recent days, It's more important than ever that we are wise people giving thought to our ways, thoughts, a thought on how to live well, how to live with life. And in this season, I'm, I'm believing for you, I'm believing for your family, for that you don't just survive to the end of this season and just get through to the end of it, but I'm believing rather that you would thrive in this season, that you'd come out stronger in this season, that your walk with God would be deepened and, and, and become, uh, become more substantial, that your relationships with those around you will be strengthened and, and encouraged, and, and that our ways will be healthy and strong. And so today I want to continue the series on, I didn't know on on this. I didn't know the pace was killing me. And, uh, we, uh, last, last June, a group of us guys got together. We took a fishing trip and we went to a, we went to a lake in Saskatchewan. And, and, uh, as we were going, none of us had been there before, so we didn't really know how to get there. And so we're, and it you know, when you start getting to some of the, the more remote places, Google Maps ceases to be a reliable source of information. And so as we're on our way out to this out to this location, we realize as we're about 20 minutes away from the lake that, that uh, we're no longer getting messages from each other. And we look at our phones, and we realize there's no signal out here. And as we're, we're all really just left on our own to find our way to where we need to go. And the, uh, it, it was a very it was a very interesting experience. At first, you, we got quite anxious as we realized our phones don't work. And, and as the as the days went on, you know, you would get we would get up and you go to grab your phone as we're going to leave for the day, and you realize there's nothing, there's no information on this phone that's new. Nothing has changed on the phone. And and by the end of the fishing trip, I'm actually I found myself just leaving the phone back. There's no reason to take it and. And uh, I, I was actually enjoying this newfound silence. No notifications, no beeps and buzzing, no interruptions. No one talking. No one's even talking about the news. Nobody knows. In the last in the last three days, nobody knew what had happened in the world around us. There's no Facebook. Just us being present in this moment, enjoying the moment that we were in at that time. It was calming. There's no technology interrupting our day, and I found at the end of that at the end of that trip, as we're as we as we're driving away, I found myself actually dreading the phone getting reception again. And just in just four days, a tremendous uh, peace from the lack of interruption had just begun to enter into my life personally. And you know, the I found that in this absence of distraction, there had been this room created for something greater to take its place. And this is, there's a story in the Bible, very, Jesus tells a story about distractions and he's telling a parable. It's a, it's a parable about the kingdom of heaven or the, the, basically a parable about how, how it works in God's kingdom and how it works in God's system. And he, he told this story in uh, Luke chapter 14 and it says, Jesus replied A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he had invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another had said, I just got married, so I can't come. And, you know, the this is, a number of people had been invited to participate in this thing call this this feast, which Jesus is comparing this feast to the kingdom of heaven. A number of people had been invited, but they all began to make excuses as to why they could not attend. But you know, all those excuses could be summed up in this one statement. I'm too busy. I've got problems. I've got, I've got opportunities. I've got a relationship. All of these things are making me too busy to be a part of your feast or your bank banquet, and he—he he com- this is what Jesus compares this our relationship to, with God to, is this feast, and the lesson here is really there's no excuse for us not to show when God has invited us to himself. And, it, and if we simply, if we don't slow down, if we don't slow ourselves down, if we don't begin to eliminate the distractions, we end up missing his invitation to the things that, that really matter, to the important things that matter. You know, when we stop and we look at Jesus, we never see him in a hurry. We find him, we find him taking his time with people, We find him taking his time on on his journeys from place to place. We find him walking wherever he went, which isn't really anything special because everybody walked everywhere they went in this time. But if you look deeper into the accounts of his life, you see a glimpse into something more profound than that. You, You see a glimpse of his pace. See, it says that Jesus walked at a pace where the crowds could keep up with him, and in the crowds you've got you've got kids, you've got little kids that need tending to, you've got the elderly that that can't move as quickly. Well, it says he moved at a pace where people could keep up with him, that could that people could be with him, and in the midst of this, as he's as he's traveling around the countryside, when crisis hit, you don't we don 't find him going crazy in the crisis. We find him he 's calm he 's got purpose when mary sent word to him that that Lazarus, his friend, was very ill this was This was an emergency surely jesus would would make his way right back to Lazarus and, and and take care of matters, but instead we read in John chapter eleven, we read that he waited two more days and c- continued to teach where he w- where he was at uh, in another place in Luke chapter eight, Jairus, who was a synagogue leader, came to Jesus pleading with him he said my my twelve year old daughter is dying, and Jesus Jesus goes with him, but then this woman comes, and he, she touches, she, the woman who had had a, a, a health issue for 12 years, had, she came up, and she touched his garment, and and, Jesus, and, and she was healed, and Jesus, rather than, than just saying, well, that's good for you, go your way, he stops, and he pauses, and he, he takes the time to, to commend this woman's faith, and in the meantime, Jairus' daughter dies, and you, you, and then, and then after, after that, Jesus says, don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of that as well. Jesus never got caught off guard. He handled crisis without being ruled by crisis. He never let it be internal crisis. His way was steady and it was purposeful. You know, you can find a lot of verses throughout the scriptures that talk about our pace in life, you know, Hebrews chapter four it says that we should strive to enter into God's rest. Strive to—it's it, an oxymoron. It, it, Jesus said, "Come to me, and you'll find rest for your souls." There's there's just so much talk about the pace of life, and in, in another place, uh, Paul talked, and I want to I want to just sit, stop here for a moment and unpack this in First Thessalonians one chapter eleven. This is Paul giving instructions to a church in Thessalonica. And he said, we urge you, brothers and sisters, we urge you to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And here we have this, this again, this, this tension. He's saying, I want you to be ambitious, but I want you to be ambitious to live a quiet life. And this isn't talking about quiet in the auditory sense where we're, just getting, we're eliminating noise. It's talking about quiet in the internal sense. Make it your ambition. Make it your, 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 your greatest efforts that go into living peaceful, living without reaction and without drama. And some of you parents that have the teenage daughters, you can just tell them that, just to listen up right now. Peaceful. Without reaction and without drama, this is what Paul is telling us to focus our ambition on. He's not telling us to focus on our goals, our achievements, our riches or success or fame or notoriety. He's saying, "I want you to be ambitious to live a quiet, peaceful life, peace of mind and peace of emotion." It doesn't mean that those other things that they might not be present in our lives. But rather, it's, it's what the ambition of our life is to pursue. You know, we're not, we're not fighting for a good life. We're fighting for a good soul. And it's really hard to have a good soul without having a quiet soul. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I made the statement that the greatest things in life require slow. You know, family, relationships, vacation, rest, time with God, these things don't grow in an atmosphere of hurry. In fact, an atmosphere of hurry tends to hurt those things. And the question I want us to ask ourselves today and for you to ask yourself today is ask the question, am I slowing enough for the most important things in my life to grow? Am I slowing enough for the things that I truly care about, that I want to see in the future? Am I slowing enough for those things to grow? Or is the busyness of the world around me choking the things that are most important out? There's a book, it's called In Praise of Slow. And in that, in that book, the author talks about uh, basically the human brain has two ways of thinking. And the, the first way of thinking, it's called fast thinking. It's, it's reactionary, it's, it's rational, it analyzes but it's it's also emotional but it's all to the information or the or or what's happening around us right now it's current events it's news articles it's posts on facebook it's it's news uh, that's that's coming at us quickly and it's processing information as it as it's arriving fast thinking tends to produce stress and anxiety fast thinking is about survival our world assaults us with with fast thinking. And your job, your job may be to require, requires that you deal with events quickly. And fast thinking is a, uh, is a part of your life. Fast thinking is all around us. Your life may have more spare time due to changes in recent weeks, but that doesn't necessarily mean that fast thinking has been reduced. We can just end up filling in the blanks of our life with other forms of fast thinking, and there's a there's a reason for that. Fast thinking's addictive. It creates a false sense of accomplishment, so that uh, we end up taking even small mo- moments of time, and we end up filling them with busyness. Uh, we we simply can't stand in a line and just wait. Or drive in a car without some kind of noise on in the background. Uh, or stand in a line. We end up pulling out our phone to, to check emails or respond to a text message. This is all fast thinking. Technology has changed the boundaries on thought. It's literally bombarding us with fast thinking wherever we go. Our work never leaves us. Our, we can be reached in the middle of the night. We, messages are awaiting us uh, on, our, on our first waking in the day, people can reach us and talk to us wherever we're at, in the car, in the bathroom. The calls never stop. The, the, we check our phones, we check our technology, there's busyness all around us. But then the, the author talks about the other form of thinking, and that other form of thinking is called, get you guessed it, slow thinking. And slow thinking, it's meditation, it's contemplation, and connection. It encourages us to be reflective and intuitive. Research has shown that people who regularly practice slow thinking are less stressed and more creative. Slow thinking, where, where fast thinking is about survival, slow thinking is about thriving. It leads to a responsive life, but slow thinking doesn't happen by accident. We have to, we have to make Room for slow thinking to happen. You know, our Creator has designed us to require slow. Why else would He? Why else would we need to spend a third of our life unconscious, sleeping, doing nothing, achieving nothing? Because God is not threatened by slow. He He knows we need slow to be healthy. And so, just because the world around us doesn't mean we we or sorry, just because the world around us is slow. Slowed down, it doesn't mean that we have slowed. And if all we're doing is filling those new spaces with more fast thinking, more social media, more news, more Netflix, then we're missing a tremendous opportunity that this season has provided. A tremendous opportunity to consider our ways and bring strength and wholeness to our ways. And so I want to talk today about something a spiritual discipline. And uh, you know, a spiritual discipline is basically uh, those are disciplines that that we have to cultivate a deep and rich inner life that brings with it all sorts of benefits in our outward life. And I want to talk today about the spiritual discipline of slow. Now, if you look in church history, you won't find any reference to the spiritual discipline of slow because it didn't exist in church history. But I'm going to call this a 21st century discipline. Because I don't think any generation in history has had to contend with fast and busy like we have. Slowing down in itself won't change anything. But what slowing down will do is create room for the important things in our life to flourish. So what happens when we slow down? Well, the first thing that happens is we end up in a better position to hear and listen to God. We end up in a better position to listen, uh, hear, to hear God, to listen to our spouse or our children or our friends. You know, it's very hard to hear in a position of hurry and rush. The Bible tells us that the, the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to us as in a still, small voice. And if you've ever been in a room where, where many people are talking and you've been in a conversation with somebody who's, who's just a little more... Soft spoken just has that that quieter little voice I'm talking about you brenda Goodwin as as you you realize when someone's quiet, you have to lean in to hear you have to you you can't do it, you can't be busy running around the room and and trying to listen to them that You have to stop and pay attention to that still small voice, and this is one of the things when we when we slow down, we get in a better position to hear and to listen. To God you know the second thing that happens when we slow down is our relationships will grow and deepen our relationships will grow and deepen you know one psychologist uh, I was listening to a, a podcast this week and and uh, there was an an interview with a psychologist had been been in this uh, uh, been doing family counseling and relationship count, counseling for decades and and uh, basically after after at the end of this Psychologist's career, he, he came to the conclusion that, that most people's marriages, families, and personal lives break down, not because they don't know what to do, but because they simply don't have the time to fix themselves. They don't make the time to fix themselves. They're too busy doing things, and they fail to make time to be good at being. And so our, when we take that, when we slow down, our relationships have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to invest more into those relationships, to be more thoughtful in our relationships, to, to consider the ways of our relationships. The third thing that happens when we slow down is our purpose is strengthened. Our our life gets connected to and formed around around purpose. Our decisions and our actions become more intentional. We we begin to think about that which is shaping us. We begin to think more about that which is influencing us. Crisis and information will occupy our day, but slow and deliberate thought will put life into our day. It'll, It'll cause us to be more purposeful in that which we do. And give us more wisdom in knowing which decisions and which, which things to pursue and which things to set aside. And so I want to give some practical tips for slowing your life down. I, If, if you're like me, you're, you're saying, I don't know where to start. Well, I, I want to give you some really simple things where you can start to slow down. And you know one of the best things that you can do in this is make a game of it. Find ways to just bring slowness, to bring pauses to your life. Now the goal here is not to live slowly, but the goal here is to live present. The lo- the goal here is to be present to God, present to those around us. How many of us have been in a room where, where there's four or five people present and they're all staring at a phone, not interacting with each other? We want to be present to the moment, present to the relationships, present to God. We want to have freedom to focus on the things that are important, to make room for God to work in our lives. Now, I'm going to I'm just going to be honest with you as you as you begin to do these, I want to start with a bit of a disclaimer. This is not easy to do at first. It's actually a bit uncomfortable. If you're used to noise and you're used to a lot of fast thinking in your world, if you're filling up all the spaces with with TVs in the background and music playing and 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 you basically don't have these times of slow thought you'll probably find this a little uncomfortable. You you might find yourself after five minutes thinking, I need to check my phone again. But I want to encourage you to do do one or two of these things because when you start to experience this slowing, you'll find your disposition towards many things will start to change. And so the first thing is start practice deliberate act of deliberate acts of slowing. Now, John Ortberg defined this, defined slowing as cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in a position where we simply have to wait. And we hate waiting. In our culture, we hate waiting. We look for the the, the quickest line to, to to get through the grocery till. We look for the fastest lane on the highway. I have got getting in and out of Edmonton down to a science. You want to be in the right lane until you get here, and then you want to get into the left lane at this point. And we, we turn fast thought into efficiency. But These are are habits to slow you down. Slow down your body and slow down your life. Give yourself some room. Realize that we're, first of all, human beings and not human doings. And the best things in our life, they grow when we slow. And so just pick one or two of these this week and uh, just try practicing. Here's, Here's some. We'll just start with the driving right now. Hey, try this. Intentionally drive the speed limit. Or how about this one? Drive, this will drive some of you eights on the Enneagram crazy. Make yourself drive in the slow lane. Come to a full stop at the stop sign. You know, in, on, At this grocery store, purposely get into the longest line and don't take out your phone. Just be present. Drive the long way to where you're going. Don't choose express shipping. And you say, well, what in the world would all of this do? Well, there's actually something very powerful that happens when you practice delayed gratification on a regular basis. See, when you're denied something that you want by your own free will, when you're denied by a circumstance that's beyond your control, it ceases to be an emotional trigger because you're used to being denied things all the time. Slowing helps us come under control. All right, another thing that you can do this week and you can begin to put in practice is limit your exposure to fast thinking. You know, I, I tried an experiment two weeks ago and I just, I absolutely turned off all the news apps on my devices. Do you want to know what I missed? I don't know what I missed either. I do know that when things are really important that they have a way of getting to you anyways. And I did find that my day-to-day thinking just wasn't occupied with all this, what terrible things are happening in the world today. You know, I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to read another of the, the thousand articles about COVID that will be produced every single day. I don't need to read these every day. I need, what I need is peace. What I need is quiet. So here's, here's some other, just some practical tips. That you can you can try out first. Don't check your phone when you get up first in the morning. Instead, choose to set the theme of your day intentionally. Put your put you when you're when you're uh, just going through your day. Put your phone in a different room and only check it at preset times. It's, I love this one. Turn your your smartphone phone. Sorry, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. And uh, this is this is really simple. It's just simplify your phone so it's no longer your master, but simply a tool that you use to serve you. Turn off notifications, take social media off your phone, or limit the time that you check it. Ditch the news apps, put it in do not disturb. Uh, Don't look at it when you first get up. And here's one that I found uh, surprisingly, uh, surprisingly helpful is put your display in grayscale. And you think, well, what would that do? It actually makes the phone way less exciting. It just, when you look at it, it there's, there's a news, you can go to uh, Wired Magazine, there's actually an article on the effects. It actually, it actually changes the hormone release that we get from our phones. The other thing, another practical thing, is turn off the noise. Don't fill in the blanks in your life with TV and medias. But set certain times for that. and uh, Learn to say No. Here's a here's a good one for just bringing quiet and bringing slow and calm into our lives. Is learn to say no. Pick something in our schedule and just say no to it. Eliminate it. Make room for solitude. Make room for moments that are distraction fee distraction free. And I want to encourage you, even right now, we're, that that this week is try to do something that eliminates the hurry. Of the, of the world around you. Do something to limit its influence, uh, the influence of fast thinking. Turn some notif- notifications off on your phone and see what it does. Turn the news, t- just take a break from the news for a week or take a break from social media for one or two days and just see what kind of room that creates. Resist that urge to go back and check. If afterwards you don't think it makes a difference, that's fine. But I think, I pretty much can guarantee that if you take one or two of those items and begin to do them, you're going to find it makes a big difference in helping eliminate the bustle, the hurry, and the noise from your life. And allow you to live more present and responsive to God and to those around you. See, the purpose of slowing, it's to allow us to live a life with intention. It's to safeguard our souls from being overwhelmed with the urgent and to allow God's presence and his purpose in our lives to thrive and grow. I want to pray for you wherever you're at right now. And just as we take this moment, let's just pray. Father, we just invite you into those deep areas of our life. We invite you into the deep areas. Of our heart and our spirit and we we pause right now to consider our ways we want we want to be like the wise man or the wise woman that stops and considers their ways we stop and consider the ways that we're going through this journey of life and we invite you lord would you come and fill those ways with your wisdom and with your presence would you help us take moments and create room for you to speak to us. Create room for you to work in our lives. Create room for you to to deepen our relationships and strengthen our marriages and our families. We invite you in. We make room for you in our lives. We make room for you to answer our prayers. And Father, we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We ask you to speak to us. And I just want to pray one more prayer. It's a prayer we pray every week. And it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you're watching today and you've never actually said yes to him. And you're saying, you know what, I would like to I would like to say yes to Jesus. I would like to say yes to following him. I want to encourage you to pray along with me as I pray right now. And just pray. You can pray out loud or in your heart. Father, I say yes to you. Jesus, I say yes to you to your plan for my life, to your purpose for my life. I want to follow you. I want to follow in your ways for me. I want to experience your life on the inside. I say yes to you. I trust you now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at Cty.LC or fill out the next step section on the City Life Act. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.